The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah, everybody. Good morning. It's finally Friday, and it's September 15th. We're halfway through the month. Today is National Double Cheeseburger Day, National Online Learning Day, Green Peace Day, National, you're going to love this, uh, Dr. T, National Neonatal Nurses Day, National Linguini Day, Gretchen, and National Tackle Kids Cancer Day on top of National Tradesman Day, National Cheese Toast Day, National Felt Hat Day. I don't even want to know felt hats need a day. That's just ridiculous. And National Cream Dement Day. And the probably the most important of them all, today is also National P-O-W-M-I-A Recognition Day. That's right. You know Thank- what that tells you, Jason Beck? The felt hat lobby is strong. Stronger than cannabis. <laughs> we got a day, yeah, an official yeah, what, what day. It, yeah, what's his face? You, like 20, you know, you, you, you know, you know who runs the felt hat, the felt hat lobbying thing is 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 your boy out there in uh, D.C. Andrew Eisenberg. Who, 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 no, who, no, Andrew Eisenberg, who rallies all the the wackadoodles out there in D.C. and just has them going smoking congressional members' offices. That's not his name. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. That's Adam. Uh, yeah, there we go, Adam. Yeah, I forget his last name. Yep. No. You know anyway. who I'm talking about. Nonetheless, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And uh, I think we're trying to get on, on our Facebook page. Oh, we're, we are live on our Facebook page right now. And we are live on anything else. We're just on Facebook right now. All right. Well, our, our tech team is working really hard. We definitely want to thank Adam for this, and we will be live on more platforms coming up shortly once we work out all these bugs. But nonetheless, we are going to kick it off with, that's right, she's the spicy redheaded conservative that loves to tell all the pot and libs all about themselves, on top of dressing up her dogs in outrageous outfits that even PETA would be dismissive over. But nonetheless, she's out here on the West Coast, West Coast, and here in the morning, Fresh out of bed, none other. It is the redheaded conservative herself, the founder of Panoptic Strategies, Miss Gretchen Gailey. Good morning, Jason. Back now. Before I get started, I want to show you some lovely, beautiful, sun-grown. I'm 
door. Much better than your you junk. Going home to East Coast. What are you going to do with that, though? What are you going to do with it? You going to smoke it? I got people. Gonna... I, got, I got a whole cannabis uh, market group back in D.C. who helps me out. When I do. Well, basically, what she said is she got a trap going on at her house, and she's about to have a little I'm party, and she's going to sell yeah. all these jars. It's it's a very yeah. cheap way to pay dog sitters. It's an they love this. Oh, look at that! Pizza. Look at that trapping dog sitters. Comments pizza. Mm-hmm. It's called trade in DC. It's uh, called trade. That's it, completely legal. It's called trade. My headline: Congressional researchers say DEA likely to reschedule marijuana with broad implications for taxes, housing, immigration, and more. Congressional researchers say it's likely the Drug Enforcement Administration. We'll follow the top federal health agency's recent recommendation to reschedule marijuana, which would have broad implications for federal policy in areas such as taxes, housing, immigration, military eligibility, gun rights, and more. In a report published on Wednesday, analysts with the Congressional Research Service gave an overview of the cannabis scheduling review directed by President Joe Biden last year and assessed the potential impact of moving marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3 of the Controlled Substances Act as recommended by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. While DEA has affirmed that it's bound by the health agency's scientific and medical findings, it can still make a conflicting scheduling decision. But if passed as prologue, it could be likely that the DEA will reschedule marijuana according to HHS's recommendation. It pointed to an example of DEA following HHS's scheduling advice when it came to the synthetic cannabinoid product Marinol, which was placed in Schedule 3 in 1999. If marijuana is rescheduled to Schedule 3, it would have broad implications for federal policy. Also, this move would have significant implications for state medical marijuana programs and users of medical marijuana, but fewer implications for state recreational marijuana programs and those who use marijuana recreationally. There's some disagreement among experts about the extent to which rescheduling cannabis would affect state-level medical marijuana programs. CRS said such an action would make it legal to manufacture, distribute, dispense, and possess medical marijuana. But others say that without FDA approval and manufacturers obtaining DEA licenses, that would not be the case. CRS also said that a Schedule III reclassification would mean that state medical marijuana programs may now be able to comply with the CSA and will still be subject to CSA DEA criminal and regulatory control. Federal public health laws such as the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and agricultural laws such as the Agricultural Marketing Act of 1946. The scope of and demand for FDA oversight for medical marijuana and related products may grow considerably. In the short term, FDA may need to generate or update a substantial amount of technical information to clarify its regulatory approach to marijuana for relevant stakeholders. Given that marijuana is a complex substance containing various pharmaceutical components and is available to consumers in numerous formats, FDA may also need to consider long-term resource allocation to ensure that marijuana products consistently meet applicable regulatory standards. Schedule 3 would also make it so medical cannabis patients would be eligible for immigrant and non-immigrant visas, and they could purchase and possess firearms. It added that the same rights would not apply to adult-use cannabis consumers. Again, it's not exactly clear what steps would be needed for state medical cannabis laws and people acting under those laws to come fully into compliance with rules for Schedule Three drugs. Colorado Governor Jared Polis, for example, recently sent a letter to Biden calling for FDA enforcement guidance to minimize economic disruption, promote state-federal collaboration, and protect the public's health 
while respecting current state laws. The new CRS report said that under Schedule 3, marijuana producers and retailers would be able to deduct the cost of selling their product, uh, example, payroll, rent, advertising, for the purposes of federal income tax filings, adding that the reclassification would also free up research into cannabis. DEA would no longer set production quota limits for marijuana. Those who use medical marijuana lawfully may contend with fewer barriers to federal employment and eligibility to serve in the military. The report concludes by noting that Congress could separately choose to address any number of issues related to the potential rescheduling of marijuana, including by the independently rescheduling or descheduling of cannabis or placing it in an entirely new schedule. If the administrative scheduling process moves forward, Congress may consider whether to devote additional resources to the FDA and the U.S. Department of Agriculture to ensure the safety and quality of many different products already available in many state markets. Uh, uh, I don't know what I think of this. Um, I, I think that the CRS is a bit underestimating the impact that this is going to have on the adult use markets, but the, the way that they're suggesting this is that it will continue on status quo in adult use, um, and they'll get to do whatever they want and still not have FDA-approved drugs and yada yada and I don't see that going as smoothly as the CRS, these lovely researchers uh, sitting at their whiteboard seem to think. Um, this is Gretchen for High at 9 News. I uh, totally agree with you on that, Gretchen. It is not going to be that easy on the adult use market if it moves to Schedule 3. That is without a doubt. Without because I would feel like if it's still, it's never as easy if it's not classified, if they're not adhering to Schedule 3 rules, why should they get 280E and all these other things that come along with Schedule 3? Well, at the same time, too, Gretchen, I mean, how many of these facilities, I mean, look at all the things that you need compliant-wise to produce a Schedule 3 drug. And none of these facilities are equipped to be able to qualify to be able to produce a Schedule 3 drug. There are GMP facilities out there. Like there's a couple. I wouldn't say there's a couple. There's a couple. There's a couple. There's a couple. I, I wouldn't say none, but it certainly is a high economic bar to hit to be GMP compliant to be able to produce FDA medicines. Mm -hmm. You need to be FDA registered at that point. And certainly there isn't a cannabis production facility on planet Earth that's FDA registered. Yep. That's not true. There's one in Santa Rosa just to be argumentative and correct, but the barrier to entry statement is absolutely Hold on correct. a second. Hold on a second. You're telling me that there's a facility in, in Santa Rosa that is FDA approved. That's a cannabis facility. It was a previously FDA approved facility that was repurposed for cannabis. So the answer is yes. No, all right. So there is no FDA approved cannabis facility in Santa Rosa. There's a facility that's FDA approved that is currently repurposed for cannabis. Exactly. So getting it FDA approved for cannabis will be an easy stepping stone. Uh, yeah, but it's not approved by the FDA for cannabis. Correct. Okay, that's all that I'm saying. Perfect. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Dale, what are you thinking? I just want to make sure we're not agreeing too much. <laughs> and I'm just going to add that the FDA doesn't regulate like plant products very yep. well so listen I, I i i i hate all of this i am not a fan uh i think we have to deschedule mm -hmm. remove it that's entirely. right and then the, the component what the fda regulates is single molecule drugs that's why we have compound pharmacies is because other people have to combine the drugs later so let them regulate 
we need to pharmaceuticalize, we need to medicalize this whole thing, yes. And there's a path for that. And what we need to do is legalize research. We need to deschedule and allow for that path to happen, not try to stuff what's already happened, the toothpaste back into this bottle. Um, at the end of the day, my husband pointed out, Jeff Jones pointed out to me, Dale, we've been ignoring what the government has been saying for 25 years. Lemmer. So we may in fact continue to ignore that, but it, it brings in a whole nother level of bureaucracy and confusion. And it's simply because a few politicians were told probably by Americans for safe access, bless their hearts, oh that this was the solution. And it's not. It's so not. we can't accept this like some fucking easy solution. That's what I really think, Gretchen. So, so, for asking. so you're telling me we can blame Americans for safe access for the fact that it's we're going to schedule three? Americans for safe access. Not However, thanking Americans for safe access because they've been saying schedule two for a decade and it's listen i have we've supported asa we oaksterdam's been one of the first early and often supporters of asa on this point we disagree uh and and they have been pushing and they're in the ears of a lot of politicians in washington they are very effective at what they do uh in in representing patients and i believe in needing pathways for patients again legalizing research is a great place to start because right now it's 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 so bogged down as to be a, a joke. It's not going to happen by by stuffing it into a Schedule Three and expecting Walgreens to deal with it. You should you should and have Jason, said you, sh you should say, have said stuffing it into Jason, a Schedule Three, Jason, Dale. Jason, I wouldn't say that the term is blaming, but this is the main problem with the cannabis industry: is everyone has their own agenda. It's the patients, adult use cultivators retailers well first of all i am a patient i am a patient can't come to a consensus on just the overall bigger picture to make it work and so that's how we get into fighting against each other and not getting anything done and so yes patients may get helped here but then it's they're not going to get helped patients are not going to get help patients are going to get screwed in this whole deal patients are going to get patients are going to get screwed medicine s-c-r-w-e-d feel better about getting an fda approved there's no I'm cannabis sorry. company that can even pay to get through an FDA, get any SKUs through an FDA. Dr. Talleyrand, can you touch on this, please? <laughs> yeah, Bring these people back to reality. Bring these people back to reality. At the same time, Dr. Talleyrand. How, how, long, how, long how long did it take the FDA to pull all that cough medicine that wasn't working, all that Sudafed? Mm -hmm. How about that? How many dollars were spent on that? Well, we talked to Dr. Just... Talleyrand and the state of medicine in this country. Let's hear what he let's, has to say. Let's just remember that the FDA and the DEA are two separate authorities. Correct. And the FDA regulates medicines or, or substances for safety and efficacy, while the DEA decides whether something is criminal or not, right? Um, so at this point, the Controlled Substances Act is about the criminality of cannabis um, and doesn't really say anything to the FDA. And, and you know, I, I spoke to Dale Geringer uh, a, uh, a week ago, and he was ecstatic about this uh, um, because he's been trying to get folks to move the needle for a while, um, despite the fact that, yeah, there, there might be some issues, it, he felt it was an incremental 
step forward. And, you know, I agree. I, you know, I, I think we're going to get more research from this. And in terms of recreational users, you know, now it's schedule three, or it will be soon be schedule three. It doesn't really change the status for you guys. You can still grow your weed in your backyard in a state that allows you to have it legal, and you can still sell it among yourselves. So it shouldn't really change anything. So you're advocating the- for the, the trap is going to live, and all the dispensaries are going to close down because they're they're not going to be able to get through the Food, Drug, As and Cosmetic happens. Act. No, the dispensaries won't close down. Why won't? Why? Why will they be able? How will they be able to stay open if the FDA regulates everything by the molecule? They already have drug preclusion on THC and CBD, and therefore every single product inside of a dispensary would fall under the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act. Because they're open today. Yeah, but we're yeah. but 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 it's 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 under it the notion. But the, but the FDA has no jurisdiction over us while it's a Schedule One drug, Doctor T. It won't have any jurisdiction over you if it's a Schedule Three drug. I disagree with that. No, it doesn't change their their. I dis- their I, dis- I disagree with that. I think the FDA is going to come in and screw everybody over. They don't have any cops to come in anywhere. They don't have to. All they have to do is all they have to do is start sending letters. All they have to do is start sending letters. The office of the attorney general was very good at sending letters out and was very very disruptive to a number of businesses. Uh, to the six thousand plus dispensaries out there that they receive a letter from the FDA. Meanwhile, the state backs you up and allows you to there's no, sell there's cannabis. No, there's, no guarantee, there's no guarantee that the state is going to back you up if the FDA comes down and says, says, says that there's a problem going on. There's no guarantee that any state is going to back any of these cannabis businesses up. Isn't the FDA saying there's a problem now? The FDA ain't saying anything about it now because they don't have jurisdiction over it. Uh, the, yeah, well, I think they're saying it's... Is there a state by state? Because a lot of states also wrote into their laws that if the federal government or when the federal government changed that they would adopt. I'm just curious how that Mm -hmm. would also see that shit would fall downhill. There we go. There we go, Dale. I mean, Polis even said he's looking for some guidance out there. So I think that in states such as like Colorado, California, which have very large cannabis markets, I think that these governors are mm-hmm. going to look for guidance, but they're going to protect their state market. No, they're not. Because they want to protect their tax dollars. They don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Just All right, move on. We got a lot of people on the Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They don't give a shit about that. Oh, just yeah. saying. Just is what it is. You guys are all going to get screwed over. Jason, you get my message in Discord? No, I did I'm not see. Next. Yes. All right. All right. Well, coming up next. That's, That's different right. from what? What's that, Dale? That's different from when. Oh, uh, trust me. If, if if you think you've been screwed over now, just wait till this shit happens. Just wait. Yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just man, it's gonna be live. We all know who he is. He's the longest continuously operating retailer in the game, known for smoking the best weed in the world. But you know what? He's the man against the FDA. A one man band against the FDA, and that's why he goes for Donald Trump because Donald Trump is against all government agencies too. Coming up next is Jason Beck. Oh, yes. And I'm strongly advocating and urging the DEA to clap back against the HHS and just tell them, leave it the hell alone and leave it at Schedule 1 because that'd be better for us. Anti-law and order president. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. But nonetheless, I'll tell you about some anti-law, okay? Because that's what my story has going right up the alley on this one because a former speaker received commercial sex 
as briberies for medical marijuana licenses, the feds say. Oh, boy. In addition to cash payments and private jet travel, former Michigan House Speaker Rick Johnson received thousands of dollars worth of commercial sex with a sex worker as bribes during his time as chair of the now-defunct Michigan Marijuana Medical Licensing Board, according to a federal court filing published on Thursday. Johnson and three other individuals have been charged and pled guilty to federal corruption charges in the bribery scheme. The first individuals to plead guilty, John uh, DeLaley, received a 28-month federal prison sentence Thursday during a hearing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. During the hearing, his attorney, Raymond Caesar, said uh, DeLaley did, did, ha, had no involvement with the sex worker being provided to Johnson. Man, fascinating. According to a sentencing memo filed by the federal prosecutors in Johnson's case, Johnson demanded and received at least $110,000 in bribes while he was MMLB chair, including cash payments, a $20,000 loan with no repayment terms or demand, and uh, flights on private aircraft and thousands of dollars worth of commercial sex with a woman in the adult entertainment industry. In return, Johnson provided an unfair advantage to bribe payers in the form of his favorable vote on license applications, his help and support throughout the licensing process, and uh, confidential inside information pertaining to the board's work and other applicants. In the memo, prosecutors wrote that Johnson should face at least 71 months in prison and pay a fine of $110,200 equal to the amount of the bribes. He faces a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison and up to a $250,000 fine. At one point during uh, DeLady's uh, sentencing, Caesar told the U.S. Judge Jane uh, Beckeridge that DeLaley was not involved with providing a sex worker for Johnson. Breckering uh, operate, uh, appeared to be aware of the sex worker's involvement following the hearing, and Caesar told reporters that he wanted to make it clear that Mr. DeLaley had nothing to do with having a sex worker involved with Mr. Johnson. In another quote, there were some rumblings that Mr. Johnson not only accepted payments for bribes, but there are some rumblings and there's some indication from the government that there was also a sex worker involved, Caesar said. And my position today, and I made it clear, was that Mr. DeLaley was not involved in that whatsoever, and the, and the court accepted that and government also. According to the sentencing memo filed Thursday, Johnson DeLaley and lobby, lobbyist Brian uh, Pierce and Vincent Brown have also pleaded guilty in the bribery scheme and had a system to mask the bribes. Johnson carried two cell phones to throw off investigators and prosecutors wrote, and he was also referred to as Batman by a bat emoji or as our friend in quotation marks when discussing bribe payments sounds like they were setting 10 percent for the big guy bro that's you know what i'm saying rico in one exchange detailed by prosecutors brown told pierce that that uh that was happy batman is a great batman and something prosecutors wrote was an indication of the influence of the former speaker held over the lobbyists in one more quote 
the, the manner in which the payments were moved through LLCs and disguised demonstrate that everyone's, everyone, including Johnson, knew that what they were doing was unlawful, prosecutors wrote. Finally, Johnson's repeated use of a prostitute who was paid to have sex with him on multiple occasions by businessmen seeking his help and licenses from the state is um, abhorrent behavior, they say. In their totality, Johnson's criminal acts and his attempts to evade law enforcement are utterly disgraceful and worthy of punishment well above the low end of the advisory guidance range for a bribery offense. And this story continues to go on and on, but nonetheless, in the sake of time, I'm going to end it there. You can read it all on our website at www.hyanine.com. But what do you guys think about all this bribery and all this sex work going on? Man. Man. I mean, I was kind of holding it, off man. on the other article just so I could shoot my load on this one. I bet. I mean, first of all, you know, when you got your Johnson in a bat cave, you know, that definitely, I mean, you said mm-hmm. it's National Linguini Day. So yeah, it is. So I'm all about Noodle, and you also indicated to us that it was Neonatal Day, so we know those things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Noodles lead to babies. I mean, the thing for me is, you know, Aside from being married, I'm not mad at people for being humans and having uh, unfulfilled desires. I, and, I, and, and, and really, the cannabis industry should get extra support for the fact that it's been a great, um, a great uh, uh, lure Crutch. to allow law enforcement to tease out uh, systemic corruption by public officials is that how you call the it teasing that out? i have teasing is, is out, over huh? a couple things though jason which is that like yes he should go to jail yes he's you know uh, obviously either a cheater or just willing to exchange for sex but he's also a rat right like he cooperated with the feds which is more distasteful than than wanting to get sex that's paid for i, I just think that you know it's it's really it's it's sad and 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 we probably shouldn't think that this is only in the cannabis industry trying to get licenses. We would be really naive to think that it's only this industry that it doesn't apply to defense contracts, that it doesn't apply to all sorts of other government business. I just think the fact that he cooperated makes him even more heinous. And 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 frankly, you know, I think that 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 woman who had to service his Johnson should get like a distinguished metal or something like that i mean this poor sex worker i'm sure he was not bringing sexy to the table how do you know it wasn't stormy daniels well he is playing right out of the trump uh handbook here i mean come on that's ridiculous i can't believe he's a rudy Rudy Giuliani blueprint. I I, I do find it interesting, though, super, super interesting that they're talking about that he has to pay pay in fines the same amount that he accepted in bribes. But yet they're not quantifying any of the private jets or any of the other fringe benefits, but they're only quantifying the cash. Clarence Thomas, and we don't care about the value of travel anymore. Is that is that, is that how you're feeling? We don't care about the value of travel. Or there's no value to travel. If you're a Supreme Court justice, vacations don't matter. Can I just point out real quick, elect more women, because how often do you hear about women getting entrapped in like sex? Oh, oh, tons of stuff. I, I, there, there, there was a story. There was a story. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't, I don't think you want to do that, Dale, because there's a whole story going on in Virginia right now about a, about about a married woman who is she's running for some office in Virginia, and she has a whole sex scandal going on. She has a whole sex scandal going on. She's with her husband. Yeah, she has a whole sex scandal going on. 
she got a chatter bait. Just saying, she has a whole like, whole sex scandal going on. I don't think. I just don't think that's a good argument. Out all the entrails, Kitty. Why y'all mad? Either way, this is stupid. Why y'all mad? We ain't got no time for this. We ain't got no time for this. Oh man, you ready? Shout out to Shout out to Michigan. Yeah. He fucked around. He got caught. End of story. So, so you're saying? This is why Michigan has a. We have a woman governor. Out. So you're saying he, he basically fucked around and found out, Gretchen? Is that what you're telling me? Huh? He didn't know how to cover it up. Yes. He, did a better he didn't know how to cover it up. Oh, look at that, Gretchen. There we go. Spoken <laughs> like a true Washington uh, insider. You got to know how to bury the body. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he did mm -hmm. cover it up. We're going to end up by Hunter Biden up there. Gretchen, but the back cave. <laughs> Apparently, it wasn't that deep, Yaro. Uh-huh. The back cave was full. Rico, you ready? We've been through two stories in a half Rico. hour. Rico. Let's go. Keep it moving. Okay. We'll go. Up next is the executive chancellor, president, and CEO of the board of directors over at Oaksterdam University spent the last 16 years focused on enhancing the debate for cannabis policy reform. Y'all know who it is. Dale Sky Jones. Oh shit, I'm getting old. All right. Shout out to my mama, Miss Sunny Quinn, who raised me. She was a neonatal intensive care unit or known as NICU nurse. Also, pay nurses and teachers better because we were poor. Uh, Oaksterdam University and Reform team up to offer cannabis college scholarships for previously incarcerated people. Oaksterdam University, often dubbed the world's first cannabis college, because we are, has forged a partnership with the socially conscious cannabis brand Reform. That's R-E-E-F-O-R-M. Our joint endeavor, offering scholarships aimed at rehabil rehabilitating the lives of those uh, affected by cannabis prohibition and, of course, the war on drugs, uh, specifically those that are justice involved. Reform, an indoor flower brand, was brought to life by social justice crusader, prep the horns, Weldon Angelos. Where are my horns? Thank you. We'll work on the timing. All right. Angelos' story serves as a poignant testament to the harsh realities of the cannabis industry's past. Alden spent over a decade behind bars due to a nonviolent cannabis offense. Uh, you can catch Weldon, by the way, at Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference, where deals get done. That is in Chicago, September 27th, 28th. I am not related in any way, shape, or form to Benzinga. I just want you to go meet An uh, Weldon Angelos. Uh, released in 2016 after widespread bipartisan efforts, Angelos was granted a presidential pardon in 2020. But freedom didn't mark the end of his journey. Instead, it fueled a relentless passion to champion the rights of those still ensnared in prison for cannabis-related transgressions. This culminated in various initiatives, including the Weldon Project, Mission Green, and now the Reform brand and its accompanying scholarships. Highlighting the underlying systemic issues, Angelo stated, tens of thousands of people are still incarcerated across the country, serving cannabis-related sentences, mostly people of color. I received a 55-year sentence for selling less than $1,000 worth of cannabis. Today, my objective 
in uh, selling it legally is undeniably to aid those hurt by cannabis prohibition. The mandate for reform is crystal clear, advocate for the release of those unjustly imprisoned, assist them in piecing their lives back together post-incarceration, and continually push the boundaries of cannabis policy reform. And side note, if you are listening to me read this message, you are on the right side of prohibition. So let's not forget POWs on POW MIA Day. Wow, I tied in both of those. The crux of this scholarship initiative is empowerment. Mission Green's data suggests that tens of thousands remain incarcerated for cannabis offenses. Let me say that again. Tens of thousands of American citizens are still behind bars for cannabis offenses. This is our reality, as 38 states and counting have already embraced the legalization of medical and adult use cannabis. The Reform Scholarship, set to be awarded quarterly, will pinpoint recipients uh, in partnership with Mission Green and the Oaksterdam Nonprofit for Education. This fund will cover tuition fees for courses at Oaksterdam. Uh, I apparently have a quote in here uh, voicing our commitment. We firmly believe in the transformative power of education. It holds promise to break the chains of repeated incarceration, carve out pathways for individual development, and nurture new beginnings. As a tangible commitment, Oaksterdam's logo is set to grace the packaging of Reform Flower products. Uh, these will initially be available in select California outlets, including pharmacy, the pottery, and natural healing center with a broader release on the horizon. So if you're in the sound of my voice, perhaps you will contact Weldon Angelos to carry this Reform brand. Weldon Angelos is one of the most serene, compassionate, kind individuals uh, I have had the pleasure of knowing. And you can get to know him and his story of The Weldon Project at theweldonproject.org. Senator Cory Booker even said what Weldon does so powerfully is draw attention to all of the things that are broken about this system. So much of it represents is represented in this one story about how the system has become a perversion of justice. And if you are interested in applying for the Reform Scholarship, you can find more details on oaksterdamuniversity.com with the upcoming live semesters, Business of Cannabis and Commercial Horticulture starting on September 25th, running through mid-November. So you can get certified in time for the holidays and turn over a new leaf in 2024. Here is the badass t-shirt. I am also wearing one, so please do support the Weldon Project, and thank you for allowing me to shamelessly plug the Weldon Project and the scholarship effort for formerly incarcerated individuals. Back to you, Bob. I love that shirt, too. Thank you. I know. It's, it's oh, freaking yeah. sweet. It's pretty oh, yeah. Looking good. Looking fire. Now, Weldon is my guy. We definitely want to shout, shout out Weldon. him uh, without a doubt. Weldon Angelos, good, much success with this reform brand. We hope We know that you're going to do a lot of good work with this. What do you guys all think about this? Uh, this story is absolutely incredible, man. Like, like nobody, we should be able to free all of the drug war POWs, man. Like nobody should be mm -hmm. in jail for this. And I know last time we were talking about this, when, I, when Luke was on, we had a couple of people like hating on like a few of the MSOs that are working with uh, free prisoners and everything like that. I'm like, yo, like kill that hate. Like for real. I kill that hate. Yeah, if the MSOs want to put their money with, in so, something good, I'm all with that. Yes, right. please. Yeah, yes. if you if 100%. you do well, do good, do, right? Do, do, that, do, do, do something period. with it because all the period. other stuff I see you doing with it is a total waste of time and trash. 
Yeah, better than yeah, the private want, planes. Yeah, and talk, money up. I don't think anything's better yeah, than private yeah, you planes. You want to talk, put your money yeah. up and outbid the MSOs and give them more. Mm -hmm. How about that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's an MSO that's right. teaming up with Weldon to make this happen. So it was an MSO that allowed right. for his dream to come true. So, you know, this is, you know, shout out to Glasshouse yep. for doing something right. And, uh, you know, we're going to yep. hate when we... Glasshouse is an MSO. Let's throw some love when they do something right. Glasshouse is an MSO. Always. Is Glasshouse? Are you saying that because because they're weeds in all those different states? Right, they're not. They're just a large operator in California. All right, all right. Just want to just make sure, just make sure we're giving people the real information. Yes. Yeah, I didn't really think through whether or not they were multi-state. Yeah, no. Glasshouse is not an MSO. That's bait. That is bait. Yeah, that's total bait. I mean, I mean, I mean, you could consider him an MSO. Right. You could consider him an MSO after the the video that Kyle did when he was in New York, seeing all that Glasshouse product on the shelf and couldn't figure out how it got there. It was doing undercover yeah. work again. It was all behavior for him. Don't, don't hate on him for that. Anyway, oh, I'm here's, not. Here's I'm what not. I just have to say. Look, I, I've talked to this gentleman. He's wicked smart. Like, he's really, really bright. And I appreciate people who aren't dumbing their way through life or just sort of on autopilot. Like, when he talks about federal policy, and I've been in a lot of policy rooms with a lot of organizations, from NCIA to CCIA to SCCA, at an A at the end, and I've probably been on one of their committees. And, and the gentleman is very learned. Uh, and, and so I think that that's one thing that we have to really celebrate is that this guy's got big IQ. The second thing is, is that he has taken the, the oyster approach to life. He took a massive irritant and turned it into a pearl and deserves to be celebrated for that. We're not talking about lemonade out of lemons. We're talking about pearls out of irritants. And to do that says a lot about a human. Because that reaction to that massive amount of pain and discomfort and frankly injustice and what he's chosen to do with that experience is really, really telling about who he is as an individual. And I under and I have chills from what you just said. And can I just underline real quick the federal judge who is forced to impose the draconian punishment of a 55-year minimum without the possibility of parole for $1,000 a weed. I just want you to wrap your brain around that. 55 fucking years. The dude that had to do that, the judge, described the sentence as cruel, unjust, and even irrational, and then not only spoke out against the sentence that he had to pass down to Weldon Angelos as a 23-year-old at the time, to rescue himself from his own conscience as a federal judge, he resigned from a lifelong appointment to the federal bench to advocate for Angelo's release because it was such it. Mm -hmm. What we are doing to our own citizens in the name of the war on drugs, you cannot even fathom until you see it in real life. And I just really want to underline what you said, Yarrow. Thank you so much because he is uh, it, it is. It, it, he is my hit of hope when I'm like feeling down on my situation, you know, like that is, uh, he, he is, uh, he's a hit, and, of, hit of hope for us all. Yes. And, and on that note, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, 
King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. It's the one thing that YouTube really appreciates, and we will really appreciate it as well. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, and check out our website, www.highand9news.com. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. This OG industry doctor's got a proven track record of representing the people with utmost compassion. He's the founder of Medican, co-founder of F, nonprofit cannabis research organization CESC. Coming to the stage is Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Thank you, Rico. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. My headline today comes from WCCO News, Minnesota. Family Fights for Daughter to Have Access to Her Medical Cannabis at School by Carolyn Cummings. Sabrina and Tim Mathis say medical cannabis has been a game changer for their nine-year-old daughter, Crystal, who has autism spectrum disorder and epilepsy. They were eager to try school full-time this fall after years of half days in school because of extensive speech, physical, and occupational therapies uh, consuming a lot of her time. But that was short-lived, they told WCCO in an interview Thursday, because district officials said she couldn't take a midday dose of her medical cannabis on school grounds. It's essential for her to thrive in the classroom. I feel it's unfair. It's unjust, Sabrina Mathis said. She just deserves to be at school a full day and have her medicine like any other kid. The school district told them that they could leave school give her the dose, which is a cannabis oil tincture of CBD and THC mixed with juice, and bring her back. But instead, they have opted to return to half days, fearing the disruption would be too confusing and harmful for their daughter, who is nonverbal and uses a device to communicate. When asked about the policy, an ISD 728 spokesman in a statement told WCCO News, that he cannot comment on a student's medical interactions with our schools, citing student data privacy. Desperate for solutions, Sabrina sought out DFL Rep Zach Stevenson, who authored the state recreational cannabis bill legalizing cannabis for adults 21 and over starting this summer. The law also covers medical cannabis. Both adult use and medical markets will soon fall under a new state office of medical cannabis management. Stevenson told, the told her that the statute prohibits cannabis use, possession, and transportation on school grounds, but there's an exception for medical cannabis as long as it isn't smoked or vaporized. WCCO included the sta statute provisions in an email uh, seeking comment from the district, 
but officials only provided the statement citing data privacy. In a brief phone interview, Stevenson said that he spoke with the family and explained that keeping the medical cannabis program intact was top of mind for lawmakers in order to ensure that children could still access the medicine they rely on. Minnesota medical cannabis laws have been in effect since 2015. There are more than 40,000 patients enrolled, including 450 children under 18, according to state data. There's a strong distinction between medical and adult use cannabis, Stevenson told WCCO. The Mattis family hopes that the school district will reconsider their policy or that the state legislature will pass a separate law enforcing the provision so that schools are required to allow children to access their medical cannabis on school property. A similar law was passed in Colorado requiring schools to allow nurses to administer the medical cannabis dose. We hope to bring justice for children on medical cannabis so they can be allowed to take their medicine at school, just the same as any child in the state of Minnesota. That's what we're hoping, Sabrina said. I was involved in a similar situation in California where one of our young patients required a dose of her cannabis oil during school hours. I wrote a note to the school nurse who was able to administer the dose based on my instructions. The oil was mostly CBD. Back then, people didn't realize that CBD was cannabis. The child was able to attend school successfully for years before the nurse realized that she was actually dosing cannabis. By then, Epidiolex was available and we were able to switch to that oil. So this is a twist on what about the children? For medical reasons, the children also need cannabis. This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand for Hyatt 9 News. Man, Dr. T, you know how to bring bring the bring the stories, man. This just tugs on all those strings. Way to bring us down, Dr. Talleyrand. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you guys to forget Terrible. that they're uh, Don't forget that there man. are patients out there who need uh, who need uh, yeah. medicine. This is all not about finding the best mm-hmm. best weed. It's about no, it's getting people been healthy. Mm-hmm. No, this, no, this is real. This is real stuff, man. My daughter, I have a special needs daughter. She has autism. Like if at, at one point, at some point, she has to have medicine uh, for any, you know, for any reason. And uh, cannabis is the medicine that actually brings her, you know, the the, the calm that she needs. Uh, the uh, stability that she needs and you know i will be up in that president's office beating his ass making sure my my daughter has access to that i'll take my kid out of a school that does not um, give them access to the proper medicine to get her uh, the treatment that she needs mm-hmm. and i'll be Did damned if, if, eating if, if they start his ass or my eating his ass fda approved bullshit what was that dale I said, did you say beating his ass or eating his ass? I was. Whoa. Whoa. I was just, Whoa. I didn't hear it right. It's, it's definitely the former. Okay. It's definitely the former there. Too oh, early man. in the morning. Whoa. For that. Whoa. Never too early because I drink strong coffee. I mean, look, we've had some really serious topics on this on this show today. And so I always I, I, try I, 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 to provide I the inappropriate levity. Um but you know, talking about I, I, pre- I appreciate you giving us insight into the sex dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what's in your heart. Yeah. Don't don't accept any money for it. But oh, I man. mean, we've had serious topics today between the you know, between the brand and the collab with Oaksterdam and the Absolutely. real the real the yeah. real issues around cannabis prisoners. 
and there's still this lack of a reasonable uh, regulation that allows for access for children. Uh, you know, I had to add a funny Rico because otherwise I would have cried on camera and I'm not about to let you guys see my feelings. And so um, this is real stuff and it, and it just goes to, how, uh, goes to show how far we still need to go in terms of a paradigm that takes into account, you know, not those of us who just want to enjoy for wellness or for, for the modest medical right. ailments, but for those who really need this in order to be as functional as possible. And when we come up against these stories like this, it's hard not to get fired up and not in the blunt way, but in the angry way. I think it would be interesting. I, I was just going to say, I would think, and not that, uh, you know, I'm supporting the school district's decision whatsoever, um, but it, it would be nice if they provided more information. I would like to know what is, what do they do for other kids who have to take medicine in the middle of the day? Is there an issue they don't have a school nurse on hand to provide her with this medicine? I mean, there could be reasons why. Not saying that they're correct, um, but it would now, just be all nice schools, to more details. Yeah, all schools have a school nurse, and, and often there are children yeah. in the school who require medicines, and it's pretty routine for the nurse to dis dispense the medicine to them. Is that not all schools not all schools have nurses there's a lot right. in, i'm pta parliamentarian we have to fundraise for a nurse along with library art uh like five different things if we want anything other than math and reading and that includes nurses so that i agree with you there might be another issue outside of that preventing distribution of any medicine though and that is the question is are they treating it fairly and equally Dr. Talleyrand, I just want to uplift you for bringing the story, because if we don't keep talking about this, then it gets forgotten. And folks are like, oh, it's already legal already. There's no problem. Well, yeah, if you're a white guy in Berkeley, if you look like me, but if you're dealing with a special needs daughter, and, and let's not pretend that there's not different treatment of children of color in these schools as well. There's evidence of that. And so, you know, it, there, there's so many layers of, yeah. of problems here to, to overcome. We just need to keep having the conversation with our city council, with our school districts. And, you know, I'll go back to freedom as we are electing freedom loving people into these district council, school councils. Here's a, a big one. Mm -hmm. Here, here. You ready, Rico? Exactly. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up too. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm glad you brought that up, Dale. Like all valid points and you know, great conversations all around, man. Definitely appreciate you bringing this story to the light, uh, Dr. Jean. But up next, we've got a second generation cannabis cultivator, founder of Special Teams Consulting, and focusing on cannabis real estate and cannabis real estate too. The Sage of Sebastopol has entered the uh, entered the building, coming live, fresh out of the sex dungeon, Yarrow. I was not fresh out of the sex dungeon, but with an introduction like that, I still like feel like I'm getting fucked. <laughs> oh it's always funny when you call me the sage because that's actually the name of my munchkin. So I'll, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Any any attention is good attention for someone as emotionally underdeveloped as me. Anyway, this is Yaro Kubrin, High at Nine News here on a happy Friday and let me just push right to my article. <clears throat> push to support cannabis farmers with surplus product. Albany, New York. 
Lawmakers on both sides of the aisles are calling on Ka Governor Kathy Huchel to sign a bill related to marijuana sales. Quote, I still have 500 pounds of last year's crop and I still have plans to harvest this year, In unquote, said Jeanette Miller, co-founder and chair of Cannabis Farmers Alliance. New York State has only 23 licensed dispensaries, a big problem for cannabis growers who have more product than they can sell. Quote, there's literally hundreds of thousands of pounds of legal cannabis, said Miller, the only legal cannabis in New York State just sitting around waiting for something to happen. There are 300 licensed farmers growing marijuana and only 23 dispensaries for them to sell to, explained Senator George Borello, ranking member of the Agricultural Committee. So that has created a crisis. I've spoken to these farmers. They were at the most recent Office of Cannabis Management meeting and expressed their frustrations. Many of them have invested their entire life savings, and some of them are on the verge of bankruptcy. Borello is among the lawmakers calling on the governor to sign a bipartisan bill that passed in both the Senate Assembly the state senate and assembly it would allow farmers to sell tested packaged and sealed cannabis to a tribal nation dispensing facility for to a tribal nation dispensing facility for retail there are literally hundreds of these dispensaries on native lands across the new york state these are legally operating because they are sovereign nations said borello he said that this won't be a lifesaver for farmers. It will, however, be a lifeline. These farmers are hanging on by a thread. If the governor signs this bill, it would go into effect immediately. According to her office, she'll review the legislation. So let me kick off a little opinion about this. First of all, we have still not solved for the problem of taking cannabis from a sovereign nation into the United States. That is still crossing international boundaries. We talked about that on a previous High at Nine News. Secondly, I have a ton of compassion for these New York operators. And I'm also wondering why New York didn't understand that this was already a problem on the other side of the country and has been a big problem and a lack of access to brick and mortar retail has been a choke point in the California regulated system for better part of half a decade. And so New York came into this regulated game feeling all full of itself that it had figured out all the kinks and was going to do it all better and then stepped on the exact same landmines. 23 retail locations is not progress. It's a joke. The other thing that I think about is farmers. Y'all need to find yourselves a good extraction partner and create a shelf-stable product so that you can weather the storm, something that isn't going to oxidize. Um, I feel really bad for these folks. And I am more sad, not for them, but for the fact that New York has continued to replicate policy missteps that if they had just looked a little past their own boundaries or borders, probably could have anticipated were going to be problems. This is Yaro Kubrin, Hyatt 9 News. Yeah, New York is just all full, full of problems. And I don't see the governor reaching out to help out these farmers. I, I don't see it. I mean, she went into a dispensary. She didn't even, even buy anything, not even a T-shirt. Dude, get over that. That was like a year ago. Just saying. That's what happened. It's reality. Uh, you, you Republicans always want to forget shit when you don't win. You want to bring up everything, <laughs> what are you talking like about? three, four, five generations back about what the Democrats do. But when y'all do something messed up, or if y'all even say something wrong, y'all y'all just want to forget about it. What about? are you talking about, Rico? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You are. Going you hard. you no are. Stop the, stop the craziness. Going hard for Kathy Hochul. Stop it. What? You're going hard Democrat, for her. So You're like, oh, yo, I'm going to give. I, I think we're, I have great about. faith in them. My They're going to do everything right. That, oh, yeah, that's Gretchen. Gretchen was doing. Gretchen was saying that. That's true. Month. 
was I saying? Gretchen was what saying was that how 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 right. you had great hope for Kathy Hochul, and you think everyone's doing such a great job over there and all of that. Yeah, you did. Great you hope. Did and frankly, for every mm-hmm. jagoff who thinks that the New York market was going to open up, flood the world with dispensaries and all this wonderful cannabis, are morons. That's not how. <laughs> that's not how a market opens up. It if generally you, takes about two years to get this shit up and running. And even it, then, there's lots of hiccups. There's lawsuits. There's always problems. So everyone who thought this was going to be Narnia overnight, or I don't even know what the hell y'all thought it was going to be. They're fucking crazy. <laughs> I think they implied, aren't doing that bad. Oh I think the implied promise that these newer regulated markets were going to learn from the Why missteps the of older, more maturing markets. And for justice-involved farmers or hemp farmers who were converting, who were told that they were going to do it better, Better, right and different and then put their resources and time behind that that's where they messed up they would have thought that it was going to be a little bit better than it's been or a lot better you know, than it's you, been. You, know you know how you know you know where they really messed up at on this yarrow you know where they really messed up on this yarrow is when they allowed all the outdoor hemp farmers to be the only farmers and didn't allow for anyone to build out any type of indoor so all they have is boof boof and more boof that's not where they screwed it up. That but is. You can, can I just bring some information? The carbon footprint for an indoor grow of cannabis is 3,600 kilos CO2 per kilo of, of cannabis versus outdoor, it's only two. That's so all Dr. I have Gene, to say about Dr. indoor. Dr. Versus outdoor. But then let me tell, uh, let me tell you something. That if that's the case. It's out of. That information is out of Colorado. It doesn't take into account LEDs. It doesn't in- take into account less HVAC. It doesn't take into account the transportation effect of agricultural workers going to agricultural locations. It doesn't take into account salt-based fertilizers. It doesn't take into account the land that is taken away from food production. It doesn't take in away into account the environmental impact of large-scale farming on habitats that are natural, such as the Emerald Triangle. So I'm going to tell you, I read those reports from those applied economic analyses from Colorado. They used an LA warehouse that was using old school 1000 watt HPSs and traditional HVAC. And so we'd love to embrace SunGrown and thank you, Flo Kana, for helping with the messaging. But that is not accurate science. And not not on that. I'll, 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 I'll say this, Dr. Talleyrand, in response to that. I'll say if that's the case, then those carbons taste so, so good because outdoor <laughs> greenhouse weed tastes like trash. The other thing it doesn't take into account is the repurposing of old industrial buildings that are currently sitting vacant or decrepit and where land use and urban sprawl and farming has sometimes a greater impact on Mother Nature than we do taking these old buildings that aren't being done and nothing's being done with them anyway. Yep. And and, and in, in regards with the environmental issues when it comes to cannabis, until un, until until. The U.S. gets serious about enforcing environmental regulations on China and India and all of the other gross polluters across the across the world. Anything that we do in the U.S. isn't going to mean anything. Well, small farm uh, can can answer a lot of the, the concerns you have, uh, Yara, because I, I understand that large grows um, are negative just by in itself for any kind of crop, right? So small farming, which the cannabis industry can lead in terms of small farms. Um, but yeah, we've just got to understand that there are environmental impacts to, to doing it in the way. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with the environmental impacts because we need to have indoor weed. Because people just, oh God. 
We're going to make a good out there for you, Jason. We're going to make a good out there. Good, good luck. Good, good luck. I hope so. But anyways, up next and bringing us home today is an esteemed organic chemist with an extensive industrial research experience solving complex problems and driving programs to successful conclusions. The man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Mark Shadone. Everybody, did I pronounce Thanks, it Rico. Uh, better than Jason? <laughs> I do it better. Than Stop Jason? the cap, bro. Stop the cap. Keep sure. it moving. Hell down. Okay, so uh, uh, speaking of the windy city, Chicago, we're going to talk about our favorite isomer, Delta Eight, and the headline for my article today is Delta Eight and other mind-altering hemp products would be tightly restricted in Chicago under new proposal. The substances exploded in popularity after federal law unintentionally allowed businesses to sell the weed-like substances without regulations. And this comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. A city council proposal would dramatically limit the sale of Delta-8 and other intoxicating hemp-derived products that exploded in popularity after federal law unintentionally allowed businesses to sell the weed-like substances without any regulations. Second Ward Alderman Brian Hopkins says he plans to introduce an ordinance at Thursday's city council meeting, that would be yesterday, uh, to address a public health crisis that has emerged as the sales of the trendy substances has ramped up. We have to act immediately, and this problem has fairly clear consequences of steps that need to be taken, said Hopkins, chairman of the council's public safety committee. These are businesses they're not drug dealers. They can't hide in the shadows. They're storefronts, and it's happening in plain sight. The federal farm bill in 2018 legalized the distribution and sale of hemp and its derivatives, but banned products that contained more than a minuscule amount of Delta-9 THC, a component in weed that gets users stoned. The law, however, didn't account for the galaxy of mind-altering substances like Delta-8 THC that can be produced from hemp, opening the door to a lucrative market with little to no oversight. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration has since labeled synthetic hemp-derived products as controlled substances but the determination hasn't stopped the nascent industry from growing. Hopkins' proposal comes amid continued alarms about the psychoactive substances which can be found in stores and dining establishments across Chicago, but do not face the same testing and label requirements as legal weed. Hopkins points out to report the contaminants, even fentanyl, being found in certain products, adding that young people have been sick, sickened after ingesting these items purchased from unregulated stores. In one case, five students from at Uplift Community High School in Uptown were reported hospitalized after consuming unregulated edibles from a nearby smoke shop. Months later, Federal authorities ordered some Delta-8 manufacturers to stop 
using packaging that closely resembles Cheetos, candies, and other favorite snacks of kids. Under Hopkins plans, only state licensed marijuana businesses could sell THC products in Chicago. That includes synthetic cannabinoids like Delta-8, Delta-10, THCO, a powerful substance that was once studied by military researchers as a potential non-lethal incapacitating agent. Other businesses could only stock hemp-based offerings with negligible amounts of Delta-9 THC that correspond with the Farm Bill. They could also or they also couldn't call themselves dispensaries, advertise the sale of THC, or use iconography, commonly associated with weed, like images of the cannabis plant. Businesses across the city would be affected by the proposed changes. Some of the uh, are already flouting the law by marketing themselves as cannabis dispensaries. The type of operations that would sell these products tend to be shady operations, Hopkins said. If you're running a convenience store like a mom and pop store, and all of a sudden you decide, I'm going to sell these THC products, well, that's a statement about your intentions. Do you want to be a good neighbor or not? You might be near a school, he added. There's no regulations like there is with dispensaries to keep them away from schools and parks. Each violation of the ordinance would result of a fine up to $5,000 and could result in a suspension or revocation of an establishment's issued city business license. <clears throat> Chicago police could also seize products under the proposal. When Illinois lawmakers lifted the state's prohibition on pot in 2020, they promised to diversify the white-dominated industry and to use tax dollars from cannabis sales to address the harms of the drug war that disproportionately affected people of color. Years later, many so-called social equity applicants who earn licenses and have struggled to secure financing and meet the state's strict requirements to open. Meanwhile, those selling hemp-derived products are able to undercut the hefty prices found in licensed dispensaries while facing few roadblocks or safety standards. Ryan McLaughlin, a spokesperson from the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois, said the concerning trend gives consumers a false sense of security in what they are buying and consuming. The regulated cannabis program in Illinois was created to protect the public by closely controlling the manufacturing and sale of all THC products, McLaughlin said. We ordered, uh, we support Alderman Hopkins uh, uh, in his efforts to reestablish some of the safeguards as controls have clearly gone astray. Efforts to regulate alternative cannabinoids like Delta-8 have fallen short in Springfield Although many other states have taken similar measures and have prohibited hemp-based products. In May, the most recent push it faced opposition from the cannabis industry advocates calling for a full ban. State Representative LaShawn Ford, a Chicago Democrat, sponsored that bill. And now he's drafting a measure that creates a regulatory structure identical to the legal weed business. It would notably, 
limit sales to people over 21 and create rigorous testing and labeling requirements and impose a new tax on these hemp-derived products. Ford argued that Hopkins' proposal would shut down businesses and that people would be put out of work and create an underground market for products like Delta-8 and other intoxicating hemp cannabinoids. The city of Chicago should not be banning or eliminating tax revenue, he said in response to Hopkins' proposal. They are right in the situation they need to be as getting as much revenue as possible. My goal is to regulate it and to make it safe. Charles Wu, owner of Chi Tiva locations in Wicker Park, and uh, Southwest Suburban Worth <clears throat> said he and other hemp sellers are already working with Ford to create new standards. There is a statewide initiative by hemp companies to submit to regulation to be responsible, to test, to be taxed, and to expand the market, Wu said. From my perspective, this ordinance is an effort to divert the attention from the regulatory language that's being drafted. He sees large weed firms are pushing to ban sales at unlicensed stores to snuff out their new competition. They are trying to come up with public safety issues, he said. Our perspective is it's business. It's a money grab on their side, and they're trying to demonize us on our front. Wu insisted that his products are tested, properly packaged, labeled, with a code that customers can scan by cell phone to learn about what they're buying. He also acknowledged that he's competing with bad actors who flout the rules. Should the ordinance pass, Wu said he'd be forced to lay off staff and rely solely on Chi Tiva's cafes. This is their chance to crush the thousand or so hemp businesses that are out there, he said, referring to the cannabis companies. Because if they take us out, the customers either have to go back to the legacy market or they have to go to those companies and buy their stuff. They just don't want legitimate competition. And that's my story. Dr. Mark Sheldon from the shores of Lake Champlain in the beautiful state of Vermont. I'd love to hear what you all have to say. Thank you very much. Man, Rico, Chicago, they're about to go down. They're about to go hard on <clears throat> all that Delta 8. They're going to go do a roundup on all the head shops. I think they're going to show New York what they're supposed to be doing as far as for enforcement. Yeah, Delta A ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just wanted to add my two cents about the earlier discussion about moving to Schedule 3. You know, um, yeah, all, so you're right. The FDA is a monomolecular medicine mm -hmm. format. That's how they approve things. In order for a cannabis facility to be an FDA registered facility, it would really need to establish the rules. You know, it's just not about GMP, but it's all about, well, there's so many things that come into play there. And so I think what they're going to do is if they push this into Schedule 3, what do Schedule 3 FDA registered facilities make? They make synthetics. So you know what we're going to get? We're going to get a bunch of synthetic THC because as I've pointed out on this show several other times, yep. it is cheaper to synthetically make THC than it is to extract it from cannabis plants. 
these people know this and they'd probably start with the readily abundant CBD isolate made available by the Farm Bill, chemically convert it into THC and put it into products XYZ. That is exactly what you're going to get if they move this thing into Schedule 3. Mm-hmm. You're going to take away the artisan quality of live resin and the connection between the farmer and a full-spectrum product, which yep. is really flies in the face of everything that the FDA does because there's no such thing as a full spectrum FDA product, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's Dr. Mark with his opinion. Thanks. Hey, you, you know, Mark, there's one other point of, of, of this on this, on this schedule three thing, I think is something important that I haven't really heard a lot of people bring up yet, but uh, in order to be, to, to, to have a FDA approved facility, um, none of these social equity applicants will be able to qualify because you can't be a past, a former felon. And be able to get, get get registered under the FDA. So how's that going to work? Yeah, they're going to grow the plant in the, on their farm and sell it like they're doing today. These people don't have farms, Doctor T. That are social equity applicants. Stop the they're indoor growth. Oh, there we go. Warehouse. Mendocino and other environments. knowledge base. What's Can that? I also remind us that Schedule Three requires a prescription? Yep. Also, also, yes, it does. There's nothing normal about this. And thank you, Dr. Mark, for pointing that out. One one thing that caught me when you said that it was cheaper, the the farm in in, uh, Mississippi. uh, The University of Mississippi. The University of Mississippi. Well, Doc, so he actually went to he's the one that got. Uh, THC and Marinol dropped to Schedule 3, and what he was trying to do was get naturally derived THC dropped to Schedule 3 because it was cheaper to grow it than create it, but that was before the hemp bill, and the hemp bill, I, I, I have to agree with you, that is what makes it cheaper and now uh, just chemically converted and everything. right. So Marinol, Marinol is what a chemist would call a racemic mixture. So you know, there's a certain handedness or chirality to these molecules, and so Marinol is a one-to-one mixture of both the left and right-hand isomers. So only one of those isomers is naturally occurring. And I'm sure what El Soli was referring to, which is if you're just going to make the natural THC isomer. Delta 9 THC, it is going to be cheaper to get it from cannabis because, you know, synthesis is is never the solution if you can get it from a plant-derived thing. And again, Dale, if the cannabis plant teaches us anything, if the cannabis plant teaches us anything, it teaches us that it's not just about THC. There's this whole entourage effect of everything else that's in there. And you don't fuck with it. You just mm-hmm. you just take it for what it's worth. Yep. You extract it. The FDA does indeed need a new mechanism to be able to approve plant-derived medicines like cannabis. And it just doesn't fit in. It doesn't fit in like caffeine or it doesn't fit into the you know, watch mold. the evening news and you'll see that it's brought to you by the U.S. pharmaceutical companies, which play these wonderful commercials of family life down at the beach. And, you know, it's all about it's taking some cannabis illegal for years. And, so... yeah, and it's about taking some drug. Dr. Talleyrand will tell you that only has marginal efficacy in the clinic, but they can make a whole 
bunch of money on because they have the patent on the thing. The thing with cannabis is you can't patent it. And when you could grow your own medicine, who's going to buy drugs at the drugstore using their drug insurance, right? No, nobody. I just joined Protect the small club. form. <laughs> yeah. I, I just have to say there is an example out there of FDA-controlled atorvastatin uh, or Lipitor, which is a cholesterol-lowering uh, uh, cholesterol agent. And the, you can also get a similar uh, chemical through red rice yeast, which has the, the similar uh, uh, chemical uh, that lowers cholesterol also. So there are examples of plants competing with pharma and cannabis is just going to have to be that example. I think we, we are way ahead in terms of uh, red rice yeast versus atorvastatin. Uh, 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 cannabis is way ahead in the public, so I think we have a good chance with the plant. Well, I, I always laugh when I watch that commercial for Prevagen, you know, that thing that they claim came out of jellyfish and makes old people remember shit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is such bullshit. First of all, anything that they take from, from jellyfish in terms of like a protein, as soon as you put it into the gut, guess what happens to a protein in the acidity of the gut? It gets chopped up into the amino acids it came from. So there's no efficacy to that whatsoever. But they have a really nice commercial, and I'm sure they sell billion dollars worth of this supplement that comes from jellyfish that doesn't work at all. We are out of time. Yes, <laughs> guys, yes, we, we time. got, we got, we got to close it up. But, but before we do that, I do have to shout out um, Jason's homeboy Vivek Ramaswamy. Yes, for his pump and dump on that Alzheimer oh. drug that he got passed by the FDA. That's how he got his money. Right, oh boy, You know, when you play basketball, anyways, you got to be able to pump and dump. <laughs> thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love on the big screen, our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos. And to our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, we had an all-star squad today, man. We got to get, get a round of applause for that, man. Everybody, all the star power. <laughs> yeah, the star power out there today, man. Bringing us a much needed variety of their perspectives and uh, your respected opinions to the table for these conversations. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, all of our sponsors keeping the lights on, AV struggles to a minimum, and of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding us down on all the other platforms too. And always, Cannabis L, the reason that the Hyatt 9 news team reads these headlines daily. Thank you. It has been... Friday, September 15th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. My name is Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street. Back in action, man. Back like I left somewhere. It's good to be back. And uh, I want to give it to, um, how about we give it to uh, Dale, Dale Sky Jones. You can bring us out today. Take us out today, Dale. I would love to, Rico. And shout out to you checking yourself out when you don't feel right any of you out there if you're not feeling right take the moment to take care of yourself put the oxygen mask on you before the little ones around you and don't forget not only take care of yourself but if you can take care of one another and this planet earth thank you so much and check out the weldon project cheers welcome back rico <laughs>